Get your Bible, turn your Bible to Haggai, chapter number one. We'll run through chapter number one, maybe get into chapter number two, and uh, I doubt we will exhaust this this morning. Uh, we might, but I doubt we'll get through it all. I uh, thought I would continue on music in the house of God. Uh, we started that last Sunday morning, but I believe what we'll do, we may catch that tonight. I uh, feel like this is just the message for the hour. The more I studied, uh, and the more I read, and the more I prayed, this is just the direction that I felt the Lord would have us go. So Haggai, chapter number one, I'm going to read, uh, we'll just read the chapter, then we'll pray, and I'll try to give you the message that the Lord's laid on our heart, okay? The Bible said in Haggai, chapter number one, and verse number one, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of the host, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and this house lie, lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You've sown much, and bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none worn. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it, and I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You look for much, and lo, it came to little. And when you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste, and you run every man unto his own house. Therefore the heaven over you is stayed from dew, and the earth is stayed from her fruit. And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine, and upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all, and upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai, uh, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, into the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in their house, or in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. In the fourth and twentieth day of the sixth month in the second year of Darius the king. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. Lord, we just ask you that you'd help us for a little while. Just take what thought you laid on our heart. Lord, be able to present it in a manner that's understandable. Give us clarity of thought and speech this morning. We love you. Draw that sinner that's nearest hell. Lord, I pray you encourage the downtrodden. I pray you draw the sinner back to repentance. And we thank you, love you, give you the glory and honor for it all. In Jesus' name we pray and ask these things. Amen. And amen. All right. Now, the other night we preached and we were preaching on excitement 
uh, in the house of God. And it sort of started, I guess, back in Sunday morning when we dealt with music and uh, how people look for music to move their bodies rather than move the Lord. And we preached on and taught and dealt with the fact that uh, if you will move the heartstrings of God and pull on the heartstrings of God, worship the Lord, sing songs that bring glory and honor to Him, there's no doubt that the Lord will show up. And uh, we also were talking about how people look for excitement. They look for a uh, maybe a leader or a man of God that can bring some excitement. We talked about Samuel and how Samuel had looked at uh, Eliab and I thought no doubt that he was the man for the job. Surely this was the man that God wanted to be anointed king. And we find out that that was not the man, that he was not to look on the height of his stature uh, and or his countenance, but that uh, he was uh, to, to understand that he looks at things differently than God looks, that God looks on the heart. And so God chose David. And we've seen that when David done what God wanted David to do, David done something that the whole army of Israel could not accomplish, that no doubt there was some excitement. And uh, it didn't come from man's, uh, from man's vision or what man looked uh, as far as the outward appearance, but uh, people quit caring about what David looked like or, or uh, maybe in comparison to Saul uh, when, the, the, when the giant went down. And everybody got up and they tore out after the Philistines and they uh, chased them off and slew them, if you will. There was excitement. Why? Because God had uh, no doubt wrought a victory through a man. And I appreciate that. But I, as I considered excitement and I thought about excitement, I'm afraid there are times in our Christian life where excitement uh, turns into excuses. And uh, I, this is kind of a, a strange message considering that I did send out a message yesterday that uh, we, uh, we were going to call off our, our meeting this morning as far as bringing everyone into uh, the house of God collectively and together. And I wanted to take a moment to assess our situation and to look at it. Uh, and uh, and things of that nature, but I, I want to say this: the, the the show must go on. We are in a situation right now that even though we are in a pandemic, and even though that we've got troubles, and even though people are scared, and it's it's been amazing to me throughout several months of uh, of time since they announced that that no doubt COVID nineteen had reached our shores, uh, that uh, people have have gone up and down in their level of fear. There are people that have got scared and. And there are people that have come back down again. They've got scared and come back down again and they're scared again. And it's like we don't know whether to go left or go right or go up or go down. I want to say this. Uh, God's word must still go out. We still got to preach the book. We still are the church. God still chose the church to be a uh, an avenue, the avenue in which lost souls get born again. And uh, we still got a job to do. And we can't stop just because uh, there's a pandemic. And so I want to say this. When I sent out the message last night that we were going to be back on August the 30th. That's, uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's where we're going to be. That's how it's going to, that's how it's going to go. I don't plan on having another three months of being out of God's house. I don't plan on going that direction again. Uh, what I understand and by reading my Bible, we're not to forsake the sending of ourselves together, but exhorting one another and so much the more. And time and time again, as I've spoke to preacher after preacher after preacher, I'm persuaded that when that was pinned down in the Word of God, uh, the Lord knew that we were going to be in a situation where we were going to have a pandemic. And as I listen and as I consider and as I talk, it's almost as if people uh, think that we're, we're going to get out of this thing unscathed. And I'm almost at uh, the persuasion that it's more of a situation of, of how we're, uh, when we're going to get it rather than if we're going to get it. I mean, this thing, if it's as bad as they say it is, this it could be a situation where everybody gets it. I don't know. 
but I can't dwell on whether I get it or whether I don't get it. I've got to, I've got to go on for the glory, for the honor of God. But when, considering these verses of Scripture here, I, wanna, I want you to look here with me in verse number 1. It said, In the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, and the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. All right, so let me say this. They have used excuses, if you will, to, to, to get out of the work that they were to be doing. You say, what do you mean, preacher? We understand here as we read Haggai that the Israelites have returned from Babylonian captivity back to their homeland. They were excited. They were enthusiastic about rebuilding. Uh, they, they were met, though, as time progresses and as they lay the foundations of the house of God, understanding that Solomon's temple has been destroyed and uh, they're building the second, uh, they're building the second temple here. They were met with much harder obstacles than they had ever anticipated. They assumed it was going to be easier than it was because they had God's blessing to return back to Jerusalem. After 70 years of captivity, the Lord has allowed the remnant, if you will, uh, to, 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 to begin to filter back into uh, that of Jerusalem. And they had got far enough that they had laid the foundation of the temple, but now they have rationalized in their own mind that they should hold off and just wait because they had to run into something that was much harder than they had expected. And so surely, they say surely in their mind, if God's blessing uh, was on this, we would be making better headway. And I'm afraid that, that sometimes we get that way right now. In the very situation we're in, we almost feel like if, if God was in this, you know, surely things would be better and we would be making better headway. But I want you to understand something. Haggai is fixing to come down here and he's fixing to tell them, listen, you need to get back to what you were doing. You need to realize there's opposition. You need to realize that it's not going to be easy. You need to realize that there's going to be obstacles. But God still wants this done. And God still wants us in 2020 to still be spreading the gospel and sharing the good news and to continue on in the things that we've always continued on in. Just because times are hard, just because times are different, just because circumstances are different doesn't change the fact that we are supposed to continue on in the work of God. We find here that God's house had laid waste. And I'm afraid if we're not careful in the very time that we're in, the house of God right now has got a bullseye on it and there are states and governors that are attacking the house of God and they're coming under fire and right now they're, they're filing lawsuits against churches and churches are filing lawsuits against the state because they're fighting to keep the doors open and people in the house of God. So I want to say this, I don't want to send a mixed message to Mount Tabor Baptist Church that because we've taken 14 days uh, to assess our situation that this is going to be an ongoing thing. We're going to have to get back to policing ourselves and paying attention to what's going on. But we are going to be back in God's house on the 30th and we are going to continue on. And as long as this pandemic persists, we're going to have to trust God that God knows what's best for us and we're going to have to continue to get the Word of God out and we're going to have 
to continue to pray and we're going to have to continue to preach so that families and homes can be the way that God wants them to be. We cannot see the house of God laid waste just because we're in a time of discouragement, just because we're in a time where things seem hard, just because we're in a time where it don't seem like it's as easy as it ought to be. And so the Bible said, then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet saying, is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and this house, house life waste? Now, let me remind you, we're dealing with a second temple here. But in the first instance, when David uh, decided that he needed to build God a house, David said it like this in 2 Samuel chapter number 7. Said it came to pass when the king sat in his house and the Lord had given him rest round about from all his enemies. So we understand David was finally in a place in his life, 2 Samuel chapter number 7, where things were good. And he was in his house. He was resting. He had life going his way. Things were good. You know, I feel like, Brother, Brother, Brother Marvin, that up to 2020, that was us. We just we were just in a place where uh, we we had things going our way. We were able to live in our houses, and we had our life going good. And things didn't seem to bother us, and all was well. But David is saying here, it came to pass when the king sat in his house, and the Lord had given him rest about from all of his enemies. That the king said unto Nathan the prophet, See now, I dwell in the house in the house of cedar, but the ark of God dwelleth within curtains. David David had a hard time sitting at home. And uh, listen, I, I know there's probably some of us to, to this morning that's having a hard time being at home and not being at the house of God. And I want to say that's the right attitude to have. We ought not have the attitude that, thank God, we're at home and we didn't have to go down to the house of God this morning. But I want to say this, he's sitting at home and things are well, but he couldn't enjoy it because he was concerned about the ark of God being in that of curtains. And here he was living in his house. So Nathan said to the king, do all that is in thine heart for the Lord is with thee. Now we understand that the Lord, uh, it came to pass that night that the word of the Lord came unto Nathan saying, go and tell my servant David, thus saith the Lord, shalt thou build me a house for to dwell in. Whereas I have not dwelt in any house since the time that I brought up the children of Israel. So the Lord does not need him to build a house. But I want to say this, sometimes if we're not careful, we sit like baby birds and we expect to be fed from the nest our whole entire life. And so what, what David is saying here, he says, I ought to do something for God. And we understand that the, there's a Davidic covenant. And we understand that the Lord allows Solomon to build uh, the house of God, the temple, if you will, and that the Ark of the Covenant was to dwell there. And thank God it was a beautiful, beautiful place unlike anything that anyone had ever seen uh, before. But, but, but I want you to understand something. God didn't want David to think that he needed David. But at the same time, if we're not careful, we need to understand, although God don't need us, God still expects us to put him in his rightful place. And so he's saying here to the children of Israel, he's saying, listen, is it time for you to dwell in your sealed houses and the houses, this house, life waste? So David's at home in, 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 during the, before the first temple is built, and he's at home saying, we need a place for the ark to dwell. And in this situation, we see the remnant has come out of Babylonian captivity and after 70 years of captivity and they've been met with opposition, hardship, trouble, fighting. You go back in Nehemiah and you look at what they went through just trying to build the wall at Jerusalem. You see that there was a hardship, there was a battle, there was a fight that ensued. It was constant and it was ever getting worse and worse. And I want to say this situation we're in in 2020 is getting worse and worse 
and worse. But I'm persuaded, friend, that the Lord knew that this was going to happen when this started. And we have got to be persistent and to keep on and keep on and keep on and get the word of God out. All right. And so let me say this. Uh, I, I believe in my heart today that uh, we've reached a place in our in our churches and in our in our life where it's getting easier and easier and easier for people to stay at home and dwell in their sealed houses and the house of God lies waste. Listen, people are fighting amongst themselves. I know of church after church after church where people are split down the middle in their in their their ideas of how things that should be handled. And I, I dare say that even in our own church there are people that has opinions on how things should be handled. But I want to say this, at the end of the day, what it boils down to is we cannot find ourselves in a place where we have reached the point that we're happy to stay at home while the house of God lies waste. This cannot happen. The longer that we're out of church, the longer that we're out of our building, the longer that we're not meeting together as a body friend, the farther this thing goes down the tube. And there are churches today that have already shut their doors. There are pastors that have already left their place as the pastor of churches because of this situation friend. And it's of the devil. It's of the devil. We can fight we can cry, we can whine, we can lick our wounds, we can worry about this till the cows come home. But at the end of the day, the Bible's still the same, God's still the same. And no matter what situation we're in, the Word of God has got to go out today, friend. He said, it is time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses. And the house of God, and the house, this house lieth waste. Now let me back up and bring a point out real fast if I can. In verse number two, thus speaketh the Lord of hosts saying, this people say, the time is not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. They have said maybe right now is not a good time. Maybe right now is not a time that we should be trying to do this. And right now, friend, in 2020, there's church members and preachers and people that are saying, well, right now is probably not a good time. Friend, it's going to get less convenient every time every, that you look around. Year after year until the Lord comes, it's going to get harder, friend. But the house of God, if we're not careful, is going to lie in waste. You need to understand something. If I can quickly, I can find my place here. In uh, the book of Ezra, let me let me just remind you real quick of what Ezra says before I lose my place here in Haggai. We remember by reading over in Ezra chapter number three that there was great excitement that the old men had wept and cried because of the foundation of the house of the Lord that had been laid. And we understand that the young people shouted with a great shout. And I've used these verses of Scripture before, but I want you to understand something. There was an excitement. They were excited. They were seeing something happen. The house of God had been laid waste for 70 years. They've been in captivity. They have now gone into their homeland and they're ready to do something for the glory and for the honor of God. And what started out as excitement and what started out as a joint effort and what started out as everybody willing to work together to see the foundation of the house of God laid. 
Now, friend, has turned into excuses as to why we cannot do it anymore. Why it's not a good time. Why it's an inconvenient season. There are seasons, friends, in our life where it's going to be inconvenient to do the work of God. But we must do it. Why? Because even in this time, when it did not seem convenient for God's people to do this very thing, you need to look at how God words this. Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, now time after time after time after time in the word of God, the Lord referred to the Israel, children of Israel as my people. But in this instant, he said, this people say. Now he didn't disown them, but he was not happy with them. He wasn't happy with them because they had reached a place where they were willing to slow down and quit because it was not a convenient season. It is time for you, oh, you to dwell in your sealed houses and this house lie waste. Where are we at today, friend? Are we happy just to dwell in our house? And, and, uh, and I like this, it's in your sealed houses. I mean, that's, uh, I, I don't know, it's not the same seal, but we're all sealed up in our house, you know, trying to stay away from everything. And the house of God, we're not careful, we'll lie waste. And so I want to say this, I just don't want to send a mixed message to, at least to this local assembly, as to why we're doing what we're doing right now. This kind of crept up on us. It kind of snuck up on us, you know. We ended up with somebody in our, in our midst that had the virus, and then they knew they ended up knowing that they had it. And so we're trying to make sure that uh, we protect everybody and ourselves. But I want you to understand something. We are going to get back in the house of God, and we're going to get back in here on the 30th, and we're going to continue on like we always have. And people that are scared and they're worried about it just have to stay at the house. Because we cannot let this thing go to waste. I'm seeing it everywhere, nationwide. Churches are falling, friend. People around our local communities are fighting amongst themselves because they're worried about things because it's not convenient. Things are not convenient. They started building the temple. They got it going. But the, the, the going got rough. And suddenly, friend, they sold out to the idea that it's just wasn't the Lord's will to be doing it right now. I want you to understand something, friend. We cannot throw away what the book of Hebrews says to us. It is so easy to try to do it. It's so easy to look at our circumstances and our situation and say, well, right now it's just not the time undoubtedly. It's not the Lord's will. It's the Lord's will today for you and I to be together and to preach the Word of God and for the Word of God to go out and for folk to get help and for people to get saved. It's still His will today. It has not changed and it will not change. So he says in verse number five, Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Ye have sown much and bring in little. Ye eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages earneth wages to put it into bags with holes. Let me say this. As far as the house of God's concerned, you know, as long as the house of God lieth waste, it's almost as if everything we're doing, we're trying to do something, but we're not accomplishing it the way that we want to accomplish it. We, the Bible says you've sown much, but you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. It's like we're trying to do, you know. We're trying to, we're trying to, to get by, but we're not accomplishing much. As long as the house of God lies waste, nothing will get accomplished. But said, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the mountain and bring wood and build the house, and I will take pleasure in it. And I will be glorified, saith the Lord. You look for much, lo, it came to little. When you brought it home, I did blow upon it. Why, saith the Lord of hosts? Because of mine house that is waste, and you run every man into his own house. Therefore, the heaven over you has stayed from dew, and the earth has stayed from her fruit. 
And I called for a drought upon the land, and upon the mountains, and upon the corn, and upon the new wine. And it came upon the, and it came upon the oil, and upon that which the ground bringeth forth, and upon men, and upon cattle, and upon all the labor of the hands. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai, the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him. And the Lord uh, and the people did fear before the Lord. Then spake Haggai, the Lord's messenger, into the Lord's message unto the people, saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people, and they came and did work in their house of the Lord to host their God. You understand that when they just decided that they were going to obey God, uh, they were going to do something for God, that they got their excitement back. Their excitement got back because they focused their attention on the Lord. I'm going to be honest with you. Right now, people's attention is so far from God, it is not even funny. People's attention right now are on what in the world is this virus going to do to me? What in the world is going to happen to my family if I catch the virus? And listen, I understand to a degree that that is the case. But I want us to understand also that if we put our attention back on the Lord's work and back on the Lord, the Spirit of the Lord would be back on our lives and we could accomplish something for His glory and honor and the house of God would not lie waste. This is a trickery of the devil and he's doing everything he can to take the church down. I've seen it. I've watched it. I've seen it for months. He's going to do everything he can to take the church out for him. And it's not going to stop. It's not going to stop. Now listen to me. Uh, let me consider something with you for just a moment. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter number 14. Luke chapter number 14 for just a moment. Read you a very familiar portion of scripture. And then I want to bring out two points and then we'll, we'll be done this morning. Okay. Luke chapter number 14 starting in verse number 28. All right. This is the parable of the tower. All right, now, this, this parable of the tower starts out in verse number 28. said, For which of you intending to build a tower, setteth not down first, and counteth the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it? So in other words, if we're going to start building, Brother Marvin, we understand that we're going to have to have what it takes to finish what we're building. Now, you and I understand that except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. He, he has everything available that we need. We have got to be where he's at doing what he wants us to do. And he will supply everything. You need to understand the gold and the silver in the house of God. The Lord said it was his. It is my gold. It is my silver. Everything that made the temple, everything that made God's house what it was, was because it was God's to begin with for you. And so you understand here that the Bible said, For which of you intending to build a tower, said not down first and counteth the cost, whether he has sufficient to finish it. Lest happily... After he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish it, all that behold it begin to mock him. Now, first I want to call your attention to something quickly. For which of you intending to build a tower says not down first and count it the cost? There's a cost. There is an absolute, beyond a shadow of a doubt, cost that is going to take place if this tower is going to be built. And there is a cost that's going to take place if the house of God is going to be anything other than lying in waste. It's going to cost something. Now, I'm not saying that you should try to, uh, you should put your life or your health uh, at risk and, and do something ignorant, but I want to say this it comes at a cost. 
And some people are not going to pay what it takes. They would rather, they would rather do something else that brings them what they feel is security than to do something for the glory and for the honor of God. These people were saving themselves from the hardships and the, the troubles and the trials that it was going to take to get past the foundation. See, they had the foundation of the house of the Lord laid, but they never got that thing off the ground. And I'm afraid in 2020, that's what's happening. There's foundations all across this land, but we're not getting anything off the ground for the glory and honor of God because we have run up into trouble and run into hardship. And so what's happening is people are getting fatigued. These people were fatigued. And let me tell you what fatigued is. It's tired. They were just tired. They just they were just tired. They was excited. They was glad to be back in their homeland. Their homeland was in shambles. And I, the church friend today is in shambles. It's in shambles. And I've made the remark that our nation is still where our nation is today because there's a few people, a remnant of God's people left that's willing to serve him. But let me give you the let me give you some more to that. I believe there's a lot to that as far as uh, God's blessings on us. But the reason that we are here as a nation today is because we've not turned our back on Israel. That's the reason that we're here today. Genesis 12 and 1 says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great. And thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee. And in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. America is still here today, not annihilated off the face of the earth. And God's blessing still on this country, because as a whole, this country has not turned its back on the nation of Israel. And let me say this, as long as we don't turn our back on the nation of Israel, we're still going to be moving forward. And so let me say this, I'm persuaded that as long as we'll do what God wants us to do, yes, we may run into pandemics, we may run into trouble, but at the end of the day, friend, the church is still going to stand and we got to do what God tells us to do regardless, friend. There was a remnant left over, but this remnant had to be brought back to the place where they realized that they had laid down on the things of God. And we cannot lay down right now. It will cost us something. Lest happily after he hath laid the foundation and is not able to finish yet all that behold it began to mock him. Saying this man began to build and was not able to finish it. Well, I don't want to start something today and not finish it. I don't want to find myself in a place because I've run into some hardships and I've run into some problems that I'm not willing to just go on and finish. The house of God lied in, was lying in waste and they were just happy to be in their sealed houses. And I'm afraid that's where we're at today. They had got fatigued. Excitement had turned into excuses. And today, that's what's happening all around us right now in this nation. The excitement. People were excited. They were trying to do something for God. This thing come up and has swarmed homes and taken people's minds and all they can think about day and night, COVID-19. And now suddenly, friend, I'm just going to be honest with you, there ain't no telling how many people's had it that don't even realize they've had it, friend. All right, so what are you saying? I'm saying we're just scared to death, you know. 
Mind's focused on this situation. Everybody's lost their excitement. Everybody's fatigued. And I'll be honest with you. I've been pretty fatigued about it myself. I mean, trying to just stay down the middle, you know, trying to keep us out of the ditch on the left and the ditch on the right. And this person thinks this and this person thinks that. At the end of the day, friend, we're just going to have to stick with the stuff. Going to have to go with God. But listen, fatigue, excitement turned to excuses. And because excitement has turned to excuses, the excuses are there because people have got fatigued and they've got tired. Friend, you will get tired if you're looking at your circumstances and not looking at the Lord. All right, but now let's go to 1 Samuel chapter number 30. Because I don't want people to to take the uh, approach or the impression that I'm beating up on people uh, because of, of the fact that they're concerned about some things. But let's look at something here in uh, 1 Samuel chapter number 30. All right. Now, because I'm preaching that we're going to have to stick with the stuff, and because I'm talking about people getting fatigued and tired, and and, uh, there's no excuse for, for letting the house of God lie in waste while people sit in their sealed houses, there's also a crowd that you need to understand today, friend, that cannot do what they used to could do. In the house of God. And I'm not preaching to those people. I'm not fussing at people. I'm not jumping on our elderly because they can't be in the house of God. But I'll tell you one thing. Our people that's got a, a strong ability and a health and a strength. And the ability to get up and go to work and do. And you can go through ever a Lowe's and Home Depot and Food City and Kroger. And all those things. We can still come to the house of God. We can still do something for the glory and for the honor of God. And I don't want my I don't want my elderly people today to think that I'm coming down on you. And I want to I want to say something. There's a difference here in fatigue and faint. Now I want to look at something in 1 Samuel chapter number 30. And I believe I'm just going to start here uh, in verse number 7. But I want to say this before I start in verse number 7. We understand through having read some of these scriptures the other day that David is at Ziklag here. They've come back. And Ziklag has been burned with fire. Their, their women, their children, their sons, their daughters have been taken. And we understand that the Bible said in verse number 6 that David encouraged himself in the Lord. All right, but David said this. And David said to Abiathar, the priest, Ahimelech's son, I pray thee bring me hither the ephod. And Abiathar brought thither the ephod to David. And David inquired at the Lord, saying, Shall I pursue after this troop? Shall I overtake them? And he answered him, Pursue, for thou shalt surely overtake them, and without fail recover all. So David went, he and the 600 men that were with him, and he came to the brook Bessar, uh, where those that were left behind stayed. All right, but David pursued he and 400 men, for 200 abode behind, which were so faint that they could not go over the brook Bessar. So let me say this. There was 600 men in total following David. 400 men continued on with him. 200 could not go, Brother Marvin, because they did not have the strength and their ability to continue on and do what they had been doing. They'd fought with him all the way up to this point. They'd stayed faithful all the way up to this point. They were doing all they could do up to this point. But when they reached this place in their life, they were faint. They did not have the ability to do what they could not do. And faint, friend, is this. Weak, feeble, were exhausted. And so here's what I want you to see. There was 200 out of 600, Brother Marvin, that had reached a place where they were exhausted and feeble and weak and did not have it in their body to continue on and do what they always had done. 
And there's that crowd today as well. All right, but I want you to understand something. We talk about being weak. Uh, consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself. Let's be wearied and faint. But what is faint? Faint in your mind. See, a lot of people's problems, everybody's problems start right here in the mind. This is not a situation where these 200 men were faint in their mind. They didn't have a problem. They didn't have a mind problem. They weren't warring against their self mentally. They were physically out of gas and physically unable to go and do what they were not able to do. They just couldn't do it anymore. So David went and he took the 400 men and the 200 abode behind, which were so faint. What's that mean? They were so weak. They were so feeble. They were so exhausted. That he could not go over the brook before. Alright, so we see here that they find an Egyptian in the field. And they brought him to David and gave him bread and he did eat. And they made him drink water. And they gave him a piece of, uh, piece of a cake of figs and two clusters of raisins. When he had eaten, his spirit came again to him. For he had eaten no bread nor drunk any water three days and three nights. And David said unto him, To whom belongest thou? Whence art thou? And he said, I am a young man of Egypt, servant to an Amalekite. And my master left me because three days gone I fell sick. We made an invasion upon the south of the Kehirtites uh, and upon the coast which belongeth to Judah and upon the south of Caleb. And we burned Ziklag with fire. David said to him, Canst thou bring me down to this company? And he said, Swear unto me by God that thou wilt neither kill me nor deliver me into the hands of my master, and I will bring thee down to this company. When he had brought him down, behold, they were spread abroad upon all the earth, eating and drinking and dancing, because all... Uh, because of all the great spoil that they had taken out of the land of the Philistines and out of the land of Judah. David smote them from the twilight, even unto the evening the next day, and there escaped not a man of them, save 400 young men, which rode upon camels uh, and fled. And David recovered all that the Amalekites had carried away, and David rescued his two wives. There was nothing lacking to them, neither small nor great, neither sons nor daughters, neither spoil, nor anything that had taken to them. David recovered all, and David took all the flocks and the herds which they drave before those uh, other cattle, and said, this is David's spoil. All right, now here's where I want to get to. David came to 200 men, which were so faint that they could not follow David, whom they had made also to abide at the brook Besor. And they went forth to meet David and to meet the people that were with him. And when David came near to the people, he saluted them. So he still showed respect unto them. He had left 200 weak behind that were too faint to be able to fight in the capacity in which they used to fight, to do and the capacity that they used to do. And when he comes back from the battle after having made waste of these people, he salutes them. Then answered all the wicked men and men of Belial. Now who's he talking about here? He's talking about the 400 that went with him to battle. 400 that went with him to battle is he, is he telling, uh, is he calling wicked? Of those that went with David, how is it that these 400 were wicked? Why is he calling these 400 that went to battle with him and fought and helped him persevere? Why are they wicked? Because they turned on the 200 that were too weak to be able to do what they used to could do for him. Because they went not with us, we will not give them all of the spoil that we have recovered. Save to every man his wife and his children that they may lead them away and depart. Then said David, you shall not do so, my brethren. Thank God for David right here. He said, then said David, you shall not do so, my brethren. He said, look, you cannot treat these men this way. 
They fought with us all the way to this very point. But they've gotten weak. They've gotten elderly. They've gotten feeble. They've gotten exhausted. Their body will not allow them to do what they used to do. And you cannot and will not treat them any different than you do anybody else, friend, that's fought with us in the battle. And said, then said David, you shall not do so, my brethren, with that which the Lord hath given us, who hath preserved us and delivered the company that came against us into our hand. He's saying, you 400 men didn't do this. He's saying God did it. These 400 men were boasting in their self. They were boasting in their ability. We went with David and we fought and we persevered and we won. And you 200 didn't do so. And you 200 are not going to get what we got. David's saying, no, you can't treat them that way. Because I want you to understand something. It was the Lord that delivered us. And delivered the company that came against us into our hand. Then I like this verse. He said, for, the, for who will hearken unto you in this matter? But as his part is that goeth down to the battle, so shall his part be that tarrieth by the stuff. They shall part alike. He's saying, listen, you went with me and you fought. You got your hands in the dirt. It got bloody. It got rough. It got tough. But thanks be unto God, we had 200 that was standing back here with the stuff. Do you know why they burned Ziglag with fire? Because everybody was gone and that land was empty. But he's saying right now, uh, four of us, 400 of us have gone. 400 of us have fought. But I've left some people back here that can take care and keep the home fires burning while we're gone to battle and fighting the good fight of faith. I want you to understand something today, friend. There's a difference in being fatigued and a difference in being faint. And there's some people today that could do. There's some people today that are at home, that are sitting in their sealed houses, that are just happy to be there. Well, the house of God lies in waste, and they're willing to watch everything fall that we've worked for up to this very moment. But then there's some, friend, that are at home beating themselves up because they can't do what they used to do, friend. I want us to understand something. We got this all backwards today. We ought to let those that have fought and got weary and feeble and weak. And we ought to set them up and love them and take care of them and thank them for helping us get to where we're at. And those that can do, friend, in these last days, bless God, we better do while we've got the ability to do, friend. We better continue on. So I want to say this today, friend. In this house of God today, in this local assembly, in this church, we've got some that are fatigued. We got some that's been that's been excited. We got some that's been interested. Some that's wanted to do something, but I'm afraid the excitement is wearing off. And the excitement is wearing off because we're looking at everything else around us. And we're looking at the situation. And we're looking at our nation. And we're looking at all the troubles. And we're looking at all these problems. And we're starting to to get ill and aggravated with each other when we ought to hate the devil with a hatred like never before and love the Lord and His book and stay with the stuff. And those that are fatigued and those that are exhausted, those that are weak, those that are unable in body to do what they used to do, friend, let's just take care of them and love them and thank them for all that they've done to help us get to where we're at to this point, friend. And we got we to we put the brakes on some of this stuff. Listen, we're not nowhere near in this local assembly where other local assemblies are right now. 
There's people tearing each other apart. Pastors falling by the wayside. The devil is running around chanting, having a whooping good time because of what's going on in the house of God. I want us to understand something. This place is not in waste right now. And I do not intend for it to get that way, friend. And so what are we going to do? We're going to fight. We're going to pay attention. We're going to look. We're going to try to take care of each other. And if you're sick, by, by all means, stay at home. But I'll say this, I will not and I am not shutting this thing down. Not going to happen. Why? Listen, there's some fatigue today. There's some fatigue today. I understand that. Listen, we got to get our excitement back. You know how you get your excitement back? Just like we see over here in verse number 12. It said Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel and Joshua. Uh, of, this is Haggai chapter number 1. Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, obeyed the voice of the Lord their God, and the words of Haggai the prophet, as the Lord their God had sent him, and the people did fear before the Lord. You know what? We better fear today more than anything. For, for the love of God, let's quit fearing everything that's around us and fear the Lord. And if we put our fear in the Lord, the Lord will help us. And protect us. Listen, it's appointed unto man wants to die. People have died from this. I understand that. But people have died from other things too. By the groves, friend. Here's what I'm saying to you. Then spake Haggai the Lord's messenger in the Lord's message unto the people saying, I am with you, saith the Lord. He's saying, I'm with you. This is in, a, in an inconvenient season. You've been happy to sit in your sealed houses. The house of God's lying waste. But I am with you, friend. And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and the spirit of Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, and the spirit of all the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in their house of the Lord. Notice that. In the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. They did the work at the house of God. And they moved forward for the glory, for the honor of God. And the spirit of the Lord was stirred up in them. Listen, friend. I'm stirred up a little bit this morning. And I've studied and pondered on it all night. And I see what the devil's wanting to do. And I see the effects that the devil's having with this situation. But I want you to understand something today. We still have the excitement. This excitement had been had been washed away by troubles and troubles and trials and issues. And then excuses have taken place. But when they just turned back and said, I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And I'm going to focus on the Lord. And I'm going to do what I can to further the, the, the house of God. And get this thing up off the ground for the glory and honor of God. Then the Spirit was stirred in them. And my spirit is stirred. I'm not discouraged this morning. I'm mad as the, I'm mad as the devil at the devil. But I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not mad at anybody. I'm not upset with anybody. But I tell you this much, friend. I'm going to go on and I'm going to do, whether it's here, there, or yonder, somewhere else. I mean, you can pack me up and throw me out, push me down the road, but I'm going to do what God wants me to do. And right now it's to push forward and stay with the stuff, friend. And that's what we got to do today. We got to stick with the stuff. I appreciate that. Listen, they were able to do something for the glory. And for the honor of God, friend. They were able to move on for the glory and for the honor of God. We need to do this today, friend. We need to stay faithful. There's a crowd today that's fatigued. Then there's a crowd today that's faint. Those of us in this local assembly that's faint, friend, I want you to know beyond a shadow of a doubt, we love you. We're here for you. We're going to support you. We thank you for everything you've done to help us get to this point. 
but just those of us that's just fatigued because we've run into some hardships and we've run into some troubles and we've run into some trials, there's no excuse. None. You have no excuse and I have no excuse. And these are the churches around us that shut the doors and preachers are falling out and church members are fighting. There's no excuse today, friend. There's no excuse. You know what we got to do? The same thing these men had to do. They needed somebody to tell them what does saith the Lord. And one thing we need today and we'll always need is what does saith the Lord. And when we get it, we need to continue on with it and move forward. Now, I love everybody in this local assembly and it's my heart to try to take care of everybody. And you have to help take care of yourself and you have to pay attention to what's going on. But I'm telling you, I'm telling you as sure as I'm standing here, I will not back up from what I'm fixing to say. We are not going to close the doors down on this thing. There will not be another three months of being outside. There will not be another time where we do not move forward for the glory and honor of God. I'm not going to have it. We're not going to do it. It's not in the Bible. I can't find where God's happy with that. I've tried to find it. I've tried to excuse it. I've tried to look for reasons why. And I find out that really all we're doing is sitting in our sealed houses while the house of God lieth waste. And that's of the devil, friend. That's not of God. What are we going to do today? We're going to take those that are fatigued and we're going to love them and understand that they just can't do what they used to do. But for those of us that can, bless God, we're going to do. We're going to do what God expects us to do for. He is going honor and so we can get the house of God off the, the foundation off the ground. Friend, I don't want to have just a foundation. I thank God for the foundation. I thank God for the foundation. But we need the foundation, but we need more than that. We've got to build on this thing. We've got to move up. We've got to move on for the glory and for the honor of God. We cannot let this derail us. We cannot let this sideline us. We cannot let this destroy us. But we must stay together for the glory and for the honor of God. Heavenly Father, Lord, I come to you this morning. I give my very best, Lord. I give my heart. You know I have beyond a shadow of a doubt. I have preached my heart. And I have preached what you've laid on my heart. And I have given everything, God, that I've got this morning for the glory and for the honor of God. Now I'm asking you, Lord, to take it and do with it what you will. Help our people. I pray, God, that you would encourage our church. I pray, God, that you would bless our church. I pray, God, that you would help our church. I pray, God, that you would help us get this thing up off the ground for the glory, for the honor of God. Lord, I don't want to see it lie in waste. I know that there's fighting and I know people uh, are having to, to deal with the devil. I know the devil is not going to stop because he is relentless. But help us, Lord, to stay as faithful as the devil. If we'd be as faithful as the devil, Lord, we can do something for the glory and for the honor of God. Lord, I love you this morning. I thank you for the cross of Calvary. I thank you for the finished work of Calvary. I thank you for the death, the burial, and the resurrection, for what I have on the inside, for the for the boost and the jolt and the help to go and the encouragement I find encouragement I find in the Lord. When at times I can't find encouragement anywhere else, I find encouragement in the Lord. Lord, I love you and I thank you for helping me. I thank you for these scriptures. I thank you for what you've done in my heart as I've read them. And I pray God that you'd take this message and you would use it and burn it in the hearts of the hearer. Lord, that we would be stronger to, to, together and stronger tomorrow than we are today for the glory and for the honor of God. I know, Lord, when you wrote the word of God and you, you had the word of God put together, 
Lord, that you knew this day would come. And Lord, this is just a drop in the bucket to the things we'll face someday. And I don't want to give up or turn back or quit because I, I, I was happy to sit and seal the houses while the house of God lay in waste. Help us, Lord. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.